بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رحمدہ وصلی اللہ رسول الکریم امباد الحمد للہ جنائب از دا فرسٹ آف مے ان دا یئر ان دا یئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ ویگننگ Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu And I've reached a point where I've mentioned he's been paired up with the eminent companion Sayyidina Zubair, the special disciple of our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is however important to point out here that another blessed name is also mentioned. In Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, volume 3, page 454 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr, Sa'ad ibn Ibrahim and Ibn Abi'un, Rahimahumullah, they both related. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made brotherhood between Mu'ad ibn Jabal and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu alayhi Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made brotherhood between Mu'ad ibn Jabal and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud Those who are of this view further state that Muhammad ibn Jubair rahmatullahi had said when Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud emigrated from Makkah to Al-Madina he stayed with Sayyidina Mu'ad ibn Jabal is recorded in Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, volume 3, page 114 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr. So, according to these reports, the great Ibn Mas'ud was paired with another eminent companion, but this time from the Ansar, Mu'ad ibn Jabal. So, how do we explain this? So, this can be rebutted three ways. Firstly, the narration mentioning the first pairing is sahih as compared to the second which is not. So the simple clarification is the authentic report says sahih in Bukhari's Al-Adab al-Mufrat that Ibn Mas'ud was paired with Zubair The reports which mention his pairing with Mu'ad are not sound. Secondly, If Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud had stayed in Sayyidina Mu'ad's dwelling, then how does that negate his pairing with Sayyidina Zubair, who had no dwelling in Al-Madina at the time? So some say there's no contradiction, because the second report says clearly, he emigrated from Makkah to Madina, he stayed with Mu'ad ibn Jabal. So did Zubair have a dwelling in Al-Madina? No. So his staying with Mu'ad ibn Jabal may have caused some confusion. And thirdly, there is also another report which mentions that Sayyidina Mu'ad ibn Jabal was paired up with Sayyidina Ja'far ibn Abu Talib referred to Ibn Ishaq ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, volume 3, page 454 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr. So how could Mu'ad be paired up twice? He's paired up with Ja'far who is still in Abyssinia and he's paired with Ibn Mas'ud. So what seems more likely is that he stayed with Mu'ad ibn Jabal in his dwelling and a narrator erroneously, innocently made a mistake because he was paired up with Mu'ad ibn Jabal. 
But of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So like I mentioned yesterday, he was paired up with Sayyidina Zubair. Zubair was the special disciple of the Prophet And I mentioned that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was the special servant. So let's discuss this. The special servant of our beloved Messenger So like I mentioned on the first night, in Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim, number 6326-7, in the chapter on the virtues of the companions, Abu Musa al-Ashari, he said, We came myself and my brother from Yemen, I to be with Rasulullah On arrival, we stayed for some time, and we noticed that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud looked as if he was a member of Rasulullah's family. For we constantly saw him and his mother frequently visiting and staying with the Prophet i.e. without any apparent restraint. So here we learn in this flawless report that it looked like he was a family member of the Prophet So the only ones who can be treated or you would expect to be family members are those who were either family members or those who had an incredible access to the dwelling. So why did he have an incredible access to the sacred dwelling? Because he was his servant. Another point, fine point, Abu Musa narrates this hadith. When did Abu Musa al-Ashri finally come to Al-Madinah? He migrated from um, Abyssinia. Abyssinia. So did he migrate to Al-Madinah from Abyssinia? But what year are you talking roughly after the Hijrah? Seven, because Khaybar, he said Khaybar, you know, we arrived when Khaybar had been virtually conquered or conquered. So, why is that important to highlight? Even in the seventh year after Hijrah, he still had access. So, it's not a case that this was in the early period and then later the Prophet got married, he had more blessed wives and Ibn Masood didn't have access. The fact that Abu Musa said, I thought he was a family member shows that he was like this all the time with the Prophet So subhanAllah, from the humble beginnings of tending just a flock of sheep or goats, he now began to tend the needs of the greatest of creation. So like I've mentioned many times, when you say servants, it's very important to highlight, especially to non-Muslims, that the Prophet never requested servants. It's not the case as if you're saying, I would like you to serve me. He never once said that. So when you say servants, they offered their own services to the Prophet And Ibn Masood was no exception. Indeed, he carried out innumerable tasks in this regard. So let's look at them. Qasim Ibn Abdul Rahman, the grandson of Abu Bakr, he said, Sayyidina Abdullah Ibn Masood, he used to put on Rasulullah's sandals for him. He would then walk ahead with Rasulullah's staff in his hand. Then when Rasulullah reached the gathering, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud would remove his sandals, place it under his arms and hand the staff over to him. Then when Rasulullah decided to arise, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud would once again give him his sandals and again walk ahead with the staff 
until he entered the chamber before the messenger of Allah. So let's look at this. So this is recorded in Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, volume 3, page 116 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 3, page 329 of the New English translation. A similar report has been related by Sayyidina Harith radiallahu as related by Hafiz Shami in his Sirat, volume 7, page 401, and Sirat al-Halabiyya, volume 3, page 455. So look at this amazing scene that we get in our mind's eye. Who would put on the sandals of Rasulullah? Now think about that. You know, when you think of a servant, you think of a servant putting somebody's sandals on. Well, Ibrahim Masood had that honor. He put the sandals on the Holy Prophet's feet, sallallahu alayhi wa Then he would take the staff of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa and he'd walk ahead of the Prophet. Just like Sayyidina Bilal would do as well, radiallahu When they got to the gathering, Ibrahim Masood, radiallahu then would go to the Holy Feet of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa He'd take off his sandals again. he placed them under his arms and he'd hand the staff over to him. When the Prophet finished in the gathering, Ibn Masood once again gave him his sandals, take the staff and walk ahead of the Prophet and enter the chamber before the Prophet So if you didn't know anything about his servitude to the Prophet, just this one report, what, do you, what else do you need to know? So how intimate was he with the Prophet Due to the fact that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was predominantly seen with the sacred staff of Rasulullah, he was given a title. Sahibu Asan Nabi. Sahibu Asan Nabi. The companion of the staff of the Prophet. This is in Qurtubi in his tafsir, volume 11, page 189. Now think about this. When you think of a staff, the most famous staff you can think of is Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. You know, famous in the Quran. Allah asked him, what is that in your right hand in Surah Taha? And he explained. And it's mentioned quite a few places in the Quran. But was that the most sacred staff? So when he goes, obviously Rasulullah is given honor above others. Correct. Who was in charge of that staff? So if imagine if a Jew said to us, we know of the companion who was in charge of the staff of Musa, you'd think, if that's true, because he is truly a, an eminent and noble person, the Almighty and Glorious would never allow anybody to take hold of that staff that he's mentioned so much in the sacred scriptures. We say the same about Ibn Masood. Do you honestly believe Allah is going to give the staff of Rasulullah to anybody? He gave it to Ibn Masood. He was called Sahibu Asan Nabiyya, the companion of the staff of the Prophet. What other duties? Other sacred duties included waking him up when he slept and to screen him when bathing. In Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, volume 3, page 116 of the English translation, in the chapter on the companions of Badr, Hayat al Sahaba, volume 3, page 329 of the New English translation, Abu al Malih, rahmatullah, he said, Sayyidina Abdullah radiallahu used to veil or screen Rasulullah when he bathed and he would awaken him when he slept and would also walk about with him when there was nobody else. SubhanAllah. This is in like I mentioned Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 3, page 329 of the New English Translation. So what's mentioned now? When Rasulullah would bathe, he'd go to a quiet spot 
And somebody would hold the screen up if it wasn't miraculously done by anything that the Prophet wanted, like trees. That Allah is. Ibn Masood had that task. Secondly, he would alert him to Salat. And look how interesting. He would walk with him when there was nobody else. How many surahs did he say he learned directly from Rasulullah when nobody was with the Prophet? 70. 70. So now this seems to indicate how this was taking place. He was the only one with the Prophet. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud whose duty of waking Rasulullah was due to his unprecedented access to the sacred chambers. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud himself said, the Prophet informed me that the indication that he had permission to enter was that he heard him speak softly when he raised the curtain unless he expressly forbade him to enter. This is recorded in Sayyid Muslim number 2169 Ahmad in his Musnad 1-404 Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat volume 3 page 117 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr Mishkat number 4668 in the chapter on permission to enter. So this hadith needs to be explained. So it's recorded in Sayyid Muslim. So what did the great Ibn Masood say? He goes, Rasulullah would allow me entry if he was speaking softly. So if I heard him speaking softly, I would enter unless he forbade me. So now commentary. Sheikh Nawab Qutbuddin Khan Dihlawi, Rahmatullah he explained in his Mazayri Ihaq number 4688. The curtains at the door of Rasulullah's chamber were of sack, sackcloth. Sayyidina Ibn Mas'ud was honored with an exclusive permission to come into his chamber. For he was not bound to stand at the door and even ask for permission. So this is what's unique about him. He didn't need to stand at the door, nay did he ask permission. Subhanallah, all he had to do was raise the curtain and see if the Prophet was inside. Or if he knew that he was inside, he would enter. However, when he did not want him to enter, he would forbid him. Subhanallah, this shows that standing of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud with the Prophet Thus has already mentioned, the Prophet regarded him as a member of his household. It is however important to point out, this exclusive permission was only at hours when women did not come into the Prophet's chamber. In addition, the restriction became more strict after Surat Nur, Surat 24, verse 27, was revealed. So this is the full quote. So let's break it down. So one of the great commentators of Mishkat, Sheikh Nawab Qutbuddin Khan Dihlawi al-Hanafi, he said this shows his status. He was a very special servant that had honors above other servants. Because he was not bound to stand at the door. So imagine, he'd go straight over to the holy chamber. He wouldn't even ask permission. Which other sahaba has that honor? And all he had to do was raise the curtain to see if the Prophet was inside. And if he knew he was, he would enter. The Prophet only forbade him by speech. Then, this is why Abu Musa 
thought he was a, a member of the Prophet's family. So this is the beauty of the commentary. You'd get the clarification. But then the Sheikh said two very important things. <laughs> this exclusive permission was only at hours when there was no women in his chamber. <laughs> so don't get the impression that when he was with Aisha, Zaid, his our beloved mothers, then no. <laughs> it's only when he was by himself. And secondly, the restriction became more strict after the verse was revealed. Which verse? Surah 24, verse 27. So let's look at that briefly. What is that verse? So in Surah An-Nur, Surah 24, verse 27, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, O you who believe, do not enter dwellings other than your own. Until you have asked permission and greeted those within them. That is best for you in order that you may take heed. So what does Allah the Almighty and Glorious, what did he enjoin upon the believers? Do not enter dwellings other than your own until, number one, you've asked permission. And number two, you've given salam because that is best for you. When this verse was revealed, of course, there was a now a bit more in terms of He's entering the sacred chamber. Whatever the case, this shows that he was the special servant of our beloved Messenger. And these reports indicate he was truly intimate with the Prophet. To add one other, he would also carry our beloved Messenger's wudu water, his miswak and his cushion. So, reference to these facts can be seen from the following blessed report. So this is recorded in Sayyid Bukhari, number 3758, Mishkat, volume 4, number 113, in the chapter on the companions in Jannah. Al-Qamah, he said, I went to Asham, I Damascus city. I offered two rakats upon which I made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to provide me with Jalisan Saliha, a pure, righteous, sitting companion with which I could spend quality time with. So stop in the report. So Al-Qamah was a very famous student of Ibn Masood. I'll mention him briefly at the relevant time. He comes to Damascus. Now why is he traveling? Like we do just for the sake of it. He's traveling to acquire knowledge. So he goes to Damascus. He does a two rakats prayer. He makes a dua. And what does he specifically ask for? Jalisun Saliha. Jalis means a sitting companion. The one that you spend quality time with. I thereupon arose after the prayer and I came across some people. I sat down with them when suddenly an old man came and sat down right beside me. I asked, others who were besides me, Manhada, who is this dignified sheikh? They replied in surprise, Abu Darda. I thereupon said joyously turning to him, Verily, I beseeched Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to easily provide me with a pure, righteous, sitting companion. And he has graciously now easily provided me with you. Abu Darda asked, Man anta, who are you? I, where are you from? I informed him, I am from Kufa. He said in surprise, why have you come all this way? Did you not have amongst you Ibn Umi Abd, 
who looked after the sandals, the cushion, the voodoo vessel of Rasulullah mm-hmm. Also the one whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected from the shaitan with the tongue of his prophet, i.e. Ammar ibn Yasr And do you not also have amongst you the one who was entrusted with Rasulullah's secrets which no one knew but he, i.e. Sayyidina Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman so this is the hadith. So let's look at this briefly. In Sayyid Bukhari, so it's authentic. So what was the prayer he offered? This is the prayer of istikhara uh, uh, to help. Allah Ta'ala, how quickly did he answer it? Think about that. Now what's interesting, did he go to the Sahaba? Or did the Sahaba come to him? <laughs> Think about that. You know, he's made dua here. Allah, please, I need to find a righteous sitting companion. And then he doesn't recognize him. It's the first time he's seen him. He sits right next to him. He knows he's dignified. But out of veneration, he didn't ask him. He asked the other students. He goes, who is this dignified sheikh? He goes, Abu Darda. And then look what he said. Meaning his reputation preceded him. He goes, I made this dua for a righteous sitting companion. Allah Ta'ala has provided me with you. Now, he was expecting this response. Well, there you go. You know, you made the dua. Allah Ta'ala, you know, I didn't. This was the will of Allah. Abu Darda responded in a way as if he wasn't deserving. <laughs> what does that tell you about his humility? <laughs> he could have said, yes, nothing to do with me. Allah Ta'ala has brought you to me. Nobody would have found fault with that. Immediately he asked him, where are you from? And he goes, I'm from Kufa. And he could have mentioned so many sahab. Who was the first person he mentioned? He goes, wasn't there... Ibn Ummi Ab, the son of the mother of the servant who looked after, what did he mention? <laughs> Sandals, the cushion, imagine, you know, how did he carry the cushion of the Prophet and voodoo vessel, which is not an easy task. He goes, he was there, why have you come to me? <laughs> then he says, the one who shaitan couldn't have access to because of the Prophet's statement for him, Ammar ibn Yasr, was he there? And the keeper of secrets, because he was there, you come to me. <laughs> So he was shocked. Subhanallah, such was the humility of the noble Jalees and Saliha, Sayyidina Abu Darda, when a tabi'in came all the way from Kufa in Iraq to Damascus in Syria. Allahu Akbar, in addition, look how the honorable Al-Kama first did istikhara to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to find a righteous companion and also note his incredible zeal to acquire further sacred knowledge not minding the vast distances to cover on the surface of the earth and the obvious hardships that all this would entail. Alas, compare this with the lackluster efforts in this regard by many today who cannot even make an effort to travel in their own locality. <laughs> to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our complaint. Look at the huge difference. Even in today, somebody goes, MashaAllah, there's a Abdal in Damascus. Which one would immediately book a ticket, right, I'm going, forget it, I need to see him. You'd probably say, oh, time to make dua for me. Right? So obviously, even in today's day and age, it's an effort. In those auspicious days, you're talking weeks, months travel, and you might get robbed. There's predators, there's bandits. Look at the yearning. That's why Allah, Allah blessed them. Now somebody says, oh, there's a circle taking place in the local masjid, is there? Washing East Enders, Right? So there you go. And then you go, why are we in this day? Why? You know, keep watching benders, isn't it? MashaAllah. So all I mentioned today was basically 
clarification who was the great Ibn Mas'ud paired up with and of course it was Zubair but another sahaba was mentioned I explained why and now I'm discussing he was the special servant of our messenger and notice how many roles he had that Allah Ta'ala graciously bestowed upon him subhanAllah are there any questions you like to ask me